2: Hello and welcome to the W12 podcast. I'm Ben Platt and this is episode 18 of the season. Thank you for tuning in. This week, I think we're going to attempt to reflect on Rotherham. Try and take some positives, if there are any. Not sure there is. Um, we'll, have a, we'll have a reflection on Ainsworth and how his two games have gone. We'll have a quick look at the finances. Rob Dickey, I just thought we'd chat about him. Um... And just the dreaded and we get the going down conversation, I guess we need to have it, don't we? Um, so we'll we'll rattle through all that as we go on. Um, quickly then, we've got on the pod today, Duncan, McCready, how are you?
3: Yeah, not too bad, mate. Looking forward to getting involved in this therapy session tonight.
2: <laughs> yes. <laughs> Hopefully you feel
3: all. better afterwards.
2: We can treat it like a therapy <laughs> session, let's do that. Uh, we welcome back Jack. What's well, how are you, mate?
4: Yeah, good, mate. All things considered, QPR aside.
2: You been all right? Did you say you've been away or um, did I imagine that? Uh,
4: That was uh, last month, yeah. I went away briefly, attempted to learn how to ski, which was quite the experience. A lot of bruises. Yeah, it's good fun.
2: (laughs) Better than watching QPR, I suspect, at the moment. Yeah,
4: nice
5: to get away, yeah.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Chris Hermitage, how are you, mate? You okay?
5: Yeah, all good, lads. Happy to, uh, well, come on and... Come on and chat and attempt. Maybe we'll find one positive as a group of four in the next sort of hour or so. Right, we'll try. Um,
2: Rotherham then. So, 3-1 uh, defeat. Kind of Powell injured. One win in 20. Drop down 20th in the league. We've made Jordan Hugo look like Harland. Um, I've got to say that it was a bit of a centre-back disaster show from my perspective, from what I saw. Um, and not a lot... I don't think we were ever massively in the game, if I'm honest. I don't think Rotherham again were great. Like we say most weeks, the teams we're playing don't look like... It's not like we're getting battered by these teams or we don't look like... But these teams seem to be still winning comfortably. What's what's that? Was it three three ones in a row or oh, something like that? Lads, anyone want to kick off with their views? <laughs>
4: All right, I'll step in. There's hesitation (laughs) there. Well, obviously, I've got a few stats rounded up from from the game, so I'll just dive in with that before going too opinionated on it. But since the Birmingham away game, October 28th, QPR have won fewer points than any other championship team, nine from 19. In that period, we've won the fewest games, we've lost the most games, we've scored the fewest goals, and we've conceded the most goals. Obviously, it's one win in 20. It's our lowest tally of wins during a 20-game run since March to September 1998 under Ray Harford. We've conceded three goals in four consecutive matches for the first time since 1959. And to top it off, as you said, we made uh, Hugel look like Harland's. It's the sixth yeah. former player to score against us this season. Nine goals in total. Jack Clark got a brace. Jeff Endritz got a brace. Jordan Hugel's got a brace. Josh Bowler, Luke Freeman and Naki Wells have all scored as well. So it's some, It's Ooh. a strange season and that sort of just sums it up as well for me. But uh, Rotherham was, I mean, the first half there were signs that we were, you know, making a game of it. We went very direct. Aaron Drew was in there making his league debut. Um, obviously, Kakai out position on the left and it showed. But Drew... Mixed debut, so it's a big step up for him, but I thought the long throw was a fairly useful weapon, caused a bit of panic at times. I thought, you know, nearly scored off it, but no, it was, again, same old QPR. Once they, you can see that first goal, that the hedge drop. I know we had a, with the penalty, there was a bit of hope for a bit, but uh, really it was only sort of Sinclair Armstrong looked fairly positive winning the penalty. Um Goal disallowed, I think, as well, if I remember rightly. But uh, when QPR concede the first goal, they're winless in the last 13 games with 12 defeats. So, you know, we haven't got much of a chin, put it that way. And, you know, we desperately need some players back. We desperately need some people to stand up and be counted. But at the moment, it doesn't look like there is. there are many in the squad that are willing to do that. So it's hard to see where the next win comes from. From the law of averages, you think one's come in at some point, but, you know, it came away from it feeling very down as well. You know, God knows how it felt, for the, the guys that went up, up there to see that as well.
5: You've reeled off a lot of stuff there, Jack, but I have found one positive in everything you've said. I don't think Watford have got an ex-QPR player. <laughs> so we might not concede to an ex-QPR player at the weekend. Oh, well, we did. Uh, there it is. The positive.
2: Trust it, though, right? Watford, you know, they're struggling, right? They're, they're playing terrible, right? The fans are hating village. you know. I spoke to a Watford fan at the weekend and they were like, you, you know, this is a great time to play us, like we're terrible. And the manager goes and gets sacked right before and they get a new one in. It's just just the luck at the moment, isn't it? I know we're not playing great, we aren't, but I also feel sometimes our luck is just so bad, isn't it? Like, I feel like sometimes I feel
3: I, I, I get you saying, but I, I feel like you, you make your own luck sometimes, don't you? Like I feel like we 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 were just awful against Rotherham defensively. I think it was absolute shambles. Like that's the biggest problem is like no one's come in and out of Critchley or now Ainsworth seems to have been able to really like solidify the defence. I know we're like lower numbers at the back at the minute and people are playing out of position, but. Surely you just go a lot more like solid defensively and just try to be like, right, look, we just won't get beat today, lads. Even if we just grind out a horrendous nil-nil, just don't get beat. Doesn't matter. Let's just get a point on the board and turn these like losses around. And I just felt we didn't even show much fight, even to do that. So... Yeah, I think
5: I'd, I'd agree with that. I I thought there was going to be a point in the game. Well, one am winning 20. So in the last 20 games where we did that, like probably an away game where you pretty much set up and go, right, basically the number one thing we're going to do today is be, have a tight shape. We, we are honestly going to play for a nil-nil. And teams in this league can do that. They've done it for years. Loads of managers would go, God, we've had a four or five game bad spell here. This is what I'm going to do. I'm just going to set up. Yeah, like I don't care if it's completely negative and against the way you want to see a team play. We're not in a position to want to think positively at the moment. So a scrappy nil-nil, but like you see the first the first goal suddenly like long ball over the top, and it's like the defensive lines on the halfway line. I know there's an element to which we want to play with the ball, but you kind of got to throw that element out the window a little bit for certain games. Um. And yeah,
2: I think you're right, mate. I think that Gareth Ainsworth has come in and he's tried to be the motivator. Like, that's what he's that's what he's done. He's come in and he's thinking, right, if I can get these players motivated, then then we'll get going. And I don't think that was uh, you know it's easy for you to say now, but I I think what we needed was someone to come in and just shut us up, get us structured, and get us like you say. If if, if it's nil nil, we need some points on the board. We need to like get one of those you know. 1-0 wins, just anything to get... Because that's what's going to motivate these players. And then once you get those wins on the board, that's when you get the motivation coming because confidence comes through that. So I just feel like... Especially when we, we're lacking attacking players as well, aren't we, really?
3: Hmm. Um, I don't even feel like we need the motivation at the minute. I feel like they need literally need a freaking rocket up the arse. I feel like someone needs to go in there and like almost tear them a new one and then get some kind of response that way and then build from that and then motivate from a response like i feel like this play these group of players are just like they've all down tools and like okay aims of trying to motivate them but it's not motivation they need it's a kick up the arse and a, like a, we are going to get relegated lads unless you turn your form around Like, yeah, it not- needs a, they need that sharp, shot like shot kind of treatment like lads we are in big trouble here wake up
2: it's not that they're down tools as such. Obviously, I can see exactly why people why it looks like that. And it might be it might be that, but I think that it's more that as soon as the going gets tough, right? Or we come up against anyone, it, like you know, one nil down, you know, we just I don't know, we just we always look like we're gonna concede, but we always we, like you said, Jack, we've just got no backbone, have we?
4: Yeah, it feels like every time the the opponents attack, we're gonna concede. Um, I mean, we just we got there is, there's nothing solid at the back right now. And what are the options? I mean, I've seen, and I think it's a reasonable shout to try three at the back and then go wing backs. But then we 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 can only right now with what was available against Rotherham go Kakai at, you know, as one of the three centre backs potentially, or even a Sam Field. I May mean, he's done it on the left before, isn't he? And then I you play Sam like, Field
2: in there,
4: and then, yeah, and then you've either got Kakai on the right or a Domer on the right, and then you know you hope Power's back? We don't know because. Painsworth doesn't like to reveal injury statuses too much, does he? So we don't know how when people are back and things like that. I mean, I know the, the tying the laces up aside. Taylor Richards looked okay. Oh. It was there was that was bizarre doing that when it was the passage of play around him, really bizarre. Oh. But
2: that was a lads' um, kick around bit moment. You do you only do is, that like if it's a lads' kick around. You don't well, down the park. You don't do that in a match. Like that's. I like,
3: wouldn't. I, I've never seen anyone do that on a Sunday League. Like no. you know what I mean, not even on Sunday League, you'd like wait until the ball goes out of play, even if your like boot comes off. You just like yeah. What's
2: the wait,
4: worst
3: wait, wait for a stoppage in play.
4: Yeah. And I was gonna say, like that 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 aside, he was the only one that took the ball, carried it, and looked reasonably cultured with what he was doing. And he was the one that I think that played in Armstrong, he got down the side and won the penalty. And there was a few moments where Richards showed some flashes, but he has done that in other appearances. He has showed that he's got something about him, but For various reasons, he's not played this season. I don't know if he's fit. His fitness is good enough to start, but we desperately need an injection of creativity in the team if Chair is out for the you know table. But uh, yeah, I I I think it's. I agree with what Chris was saying. I'm I've been expecting us even at home to sort of be, you know, load the back, try and you know get a clean sheet, get a a, at the very least a draw. You know, it's 12 games without a clean sheet, 27 goals conceded in the process over two a game. You can't go on like that. You won't stay in a division doing that, you know, gifting goals. I mean, I know you're going to go on to Dickie in detail, but what has happened to him, is it's just its shocking. But uh, in terms of players and their availability, you know, I've looked, Leon Baligan is 120 days since his last appearance at QPR. It's four months since he last played been three different managers come in and take a game hall critchley and ainsworth at this point like he's missed oh, so Jesus. much and frustratingly,
2: it, i just do no. not he's had a calf strain and he's been he's out a calf, calf strain
1: for
2: been out for longer than someone's got a broken leg right so that isn't but what i don't understand is why don't we know what's wrong with him why is it a secret that's what yeah, that seems
5: see. this seems dodgy
3: it's giving yeah. me flashbacks of when we had rio ferdinand and do you know what, he, he just okay. never seemed to be there. We no one knew what was going on, and obviously we found out afterwards his wife had cancer and stuff. It's like, it, if it's that, it's like that's and obviously he doesn't want to share that. That's absolutely fine. But surely the club could say he's out for the foreseeable, for whatever reason, personal reasons, anything, just something.
2: So oh, he, I understand he was at the, he was in the, he was in the new bar, for the last home game. Yeah, like he was the, he was the player, oh, like, yeah. who went along. Um, but he's not in any vote. He's not. He wasn't in The Hacker, was he? he wasn't, he's not in any photos. Mm-hmm. He's not in any kind of media work. And it's just frustrating, isn't it? Because that, it's not just that. It's that Gareth Ainsworth has said twice now, and Critchley said it, and Beale said it before he left. Like, with, with, like Balligan, it, Like they mention him that he's coming back or that he's close to being back or that he's a little while away. That, like, he's mentioned. Yeah. Which I find odd. Like, if he wasn't coming back, they just wouldn't mention him. But... but do
4: you know what I mean? Like, uh, yeah, yeah. He's, he, he's either had a relapse of an injury, and he's out for longer. And that you know, they just haven't told us what's going on, or there is something as you know, Duncan's alluding to. You know, we don't want to speculate, but something wider away from football yeah. that might keep him away from the game. We don't know, but we miss him. As annoying as it is, and as the wrong type of signing is he is for what the the model was supposed to be. i have no idea what direction we're in right now, but you know, in terms of the type of player we want to sign and develop he made a massive impact when he came in you know he did you know and again i've got stuff i'll share when we talk about dicky but like it, the community it highlights the bad communication we've had you know i know they put out there's been interviews you come you know in recent weeks but i feel like that's so reactive to what's going on it, you know they could have done this long ago you know but it's frustrating what
2: what what so let's 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 chat about dicky then because I'll just say my bit then you're not going to uh, have your say I'm sure we've got lots to talk about. The decline in him has been unbelievable, really, hasn't it? Even the start of the season, I mean, his decline from the start of last season is massive, right? But even in the last six months, his decline has been fairly obvious. And and I thought Saturday's performance was probably one of the worst centre-back performances I've seen. I, honestly, I did, like, and it's easy to say we're missing players and we're injured, right? And you've got um, drew on the right back that maybe you know is I don't know it means leaving him more exposed, but that for that third goal or like, what, what what I don't understand what was that he just literally just kicked it but didn't kick it and then it, it, it I don't even know and then the, the the foul the foul for Hugo I mean I've used, I've watched it a few times I've got no idea why he's not on the right side of him how Hugo is able to outpace him. But Dickie's ahead of him, right? And he's... Oh, I just... And it, it he was getting bullied all afternoon and so was Dunn. Dunn had a bit of a better second half, I thought, than the first half. Um, but I just think at the moment with this centre-back partnership we've got, I, I think that's one of the reasons why we're banging trouble.
5: I think Hugel would have looked at that game and gone, one, obviously he would have been up for it. But two, he would have gone, I'm putting myself on Dickie all day here. There's no way I'm going near Jimmy Dunn because he would go... I fancy it versus Dickey. He'd assume that he's in poor form. They Dickey at the club when Hugo was with us? I
4: think there was an over... Is there an overlap? Not
5: 2019-20. Uh... Sure. No. Um... Sure. I want to say, yeah, yeah it, it was because, because Dickey yeah. scored that goal against Borough away yeah. when Hugo got in. Yeah, he... yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Were yeah. yeah. they two different games?
3: I'm not sure. That? Yeah, because yeah, Hugel scored, scored away against Borough and did his hamstring, didn't he, when he scored? Yeah, like, was that one yeah. And then Dickie scored the following one season. Yeah, I think because obviously yeah, Hugel yeah. played easy. with easy, didn't he? And we bought, didn't we buy Dicky with the easy money?
5: Yeah,
4: Dicky came in the summer of 2020. Hugel obviously was 2019 to
2: 2020.
5: Oh, yeah. so that's yeah. that's it ended. Okay. Um, but either way, he would have looked at, or Rotherham manager would have gone, right, put yourself on him. So like... Hugo's obviously not, he's not the kind of striker you'd look at pre-game and go, oh, I think he's going to have a good game against him. Like, I just think a lot of his weaknesses and faults are really just come into the fore, teams are playing up against it. When there's certain positions on the pitch, when things aren't going for you, it's probably an element where he might not admit it, but Dickie's like, God, I'm, I'm I just don't want to make an error or like, I'm sort of worried about playing today, that kind of thing. Sort of, sort of a similar thing to like where Dykes went through where there was pressure on him to score. So you now he's taking like an extra touch or an extra second over every chance and then like someone closes him down. So the confidence just drops all the time. But yeah, both of them, well, three goals were kind of errors errors within it. Like the first goal, sprinting towards his six-yard box and then Hugo just pulls out, easy striker move and then Dicky sort of throws his hands in. yeah, it's like,
2: he's not looking at he's not he's, he's looking at the ball he's ball watching right he's not yeah, he's not, like, not looking where hugo is he's looking where the ball is and thinking positionally i just need to be here where what he should be doing is going the only person in the box where is he like i'll just you know he only needs yeah. to make a movement that way and you know, yeah it's not going to be
5: it's not the job of like Johansson or field to have come back to that position given like it was a pretty quick counter attack it's just i mean yeah, the decline is, well, really sad to see, to be honest, because we obviously thought he was a great sign-in. Um, I feel he can I feel he can turn it around, like, next season, hopefully when we're in the Championship. And two, then we can start playing better and we'll see him, like, comfortable on the ball, Bring out again, looking, looking better. But, yeah, like, it's a shame and really costing us because done as ever, what well, I'd say all centre-backs look good. They look better when the person next to them is playing better. Like he's here at load, not just us, loads of clubs in the Prem. Like they get exposed when one centre-back is out, like Liverpool were doing rubbish when Van Dijk was out, like when it was Matip and Gomez look useless together. Van Dyke comes back, the one next to him looks great again because they're confident. They're like, oh, that person's playing well. So then Dunn's going to be like, God, I'm going to have to sort of make up for every error here. So probably his levels then going to drop and it's just domino effect. Yeah, you take, no, I...
2: You'd take Dickie out, wouldn't you? You'd take him out of the firing line, but
5: you can't because we have got no if one you, else. If you had someone, yeah. I think like, the problem
3: is, I think, Neither Dickie or Dunn to me seem like leaders on the pitch or like talkers. I can't even imagine either of them organising that back line. And I think that's why so much I feel like Dicky struggles. He doesn't have someone who's in his ear kind of telling him what to do and where he should be. I feel like Balogun gave us that, that experience, that kind of voice in the bat line. I just don't feel with Dickie and Dunn there is any communication. I don't feel like they trust each other in that sense.
2: Well Bill didn't Play Dickey did he he was fourth choice under he was if Beal was like still at the start of the season he was he wouldn't have got anywhere if everyone's fit he wasn't playing was he he was on the bench it was done ahead of him as well Um, so uh, I don't know if that says something
4: I feel like um, Dickey's decline I mean can it track back to Bournemouth away Previous was, season, where he I gave away, yeah. we, we yeah. were there.
2: What we Duncan? and right, We yeah, said, right. to remember that mistake you made, Jesus. And I'm
4: not, I'm not suggesting he's played terribly in every game since, but I feel like that took something out of him, and then getting dropped by Bill hasn't that did nothing for his confidence. Obviously, but he hasn't. He hadn't been playing well for ages. But you know, in, this this stat matches the eye test. When Dicky and Dun have started together, nine, 19 games have started together. One clean sheet three wins you know it it shows you like whatever it is center back partnerships are, are, you know they're crucial there's you need communication you need one need leadership i don't see it i don't see them as a a partnership that's cohesive and they're not working well together and when you've got someone like dickie who's making a ricket a game at the moment i mean what hope has the other guy got you know he can't cover everything and you know dickie is hiding a little bit you know he's not showing for the ball. He stopped dribbling the ball out. He used to do do that with regularity and to great effect. It started a lot of attacks off for us. Maybe I know Ainsworth has maybe potentially changed that direction. You know doesn't want the centre backs doing that with the ball. I don't know, but he he wasn't doing it under Critchley either for a while. So, you know, back to Balligan. You know we win a lot more games when he starts at centre back with either Clark Sorter or Jimmy Dunn than we do. When it's Rob Dickey and someone else, so you know, he's a you know there were puff pieces about him eighteen months ago, you know, priming him for a Premier League move. He's I mean, so far from that, he wouldn't even say Championship standard at the moment. But you, you hate to see a player go from someone that looked really assured and you know, albeit we all knew he lacked a bit of pace maybe for the Premier League, but as a Championship player, really good Championship defender, but. Now, you know, he's he's a real weak link at the moment and uh, you, you just hope Ainsworth can get get, in, get into his head and get, get him playing better because we need him to because we haven't got anyone else as it stands. But, yeah, Dicky and Dunn partnership, not for me. And, you know, stats back that up.
2: I know, but we've got, you know, I, I like Salter when he plays. What's annoys to me about him is he can only play two games and then he's out for it. You don't see him for two months. Then he'll come back two games and then he do not you just can't have anyone like that in your team, can you? Like, can't oh,
4: yeah. that's unreliable. And we're littered with it. And that's down to the recruitment. It's been poor, especially, you know, last summer. We really blew it. You know, we're signing these players. We seem to think who not who have got checkered injury pass. Suddenly, what are, are our physios magicians? Like, well, what are they expecting from these guys? Are they expecting them to stay fit? The only one that has come off in that regard was Sam Field. And even he needed a knee operation.
2: And, yeah. and he's, 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 I always get the impression he's got more than I with a Every time he goes down injured, I think he's that way He's gone. But he, no, yeah. I always feel like he's like a walk-in injury about to happen. And and luckily it hasn't. Though though his decline is is, is happening yeah. as well. If anyone else has noticed, his performance is starting to grow. And it's difficult in this team for anybody, even low, to, to, to shine and to do well. But but we need that. We need three or four players to turn up on a day. And we're just not we're not getting one, barely one.
4: We have a like- phases of good performance like this, like 10 minutes here, two minutes yeah. here, and then 60 minutes of shite. And it's like, and that's where we're losing the games, you know. Like, where's there.
2: Luke Amos? He was on the bench, warmed up, was looked like he was fine, didn't even play. Last traded the week, you think he's going to be bitter, and he doesn't even... Oh.
4: 65 days since his last appearance.
2: Like... I'm not his biggest fan, Luke Amos, but, I, you know, there's there's an element of something that we might need from him and that's bringing him on in the last 15 minutes with a bit of energy. 20 minutes, you know. What do we do with these injuries? Is it recruitment? Is it our medical team bringing him back too early? We've, obviously, it's it recruitment, but...
3: It's got to be both, hasn't it, surely? Like, look at Christy Willock this season. We've rushed him back, what, two times? And he's pulled up both times when he's been rushed back. I, Like, Obviously they said the oh, like chair scan wasn't too bad, it'll be back in a couple of weeks. I can imagine he might them be. Yeah. I, I can imagine if he is, they're pushing him back through too quickly and he'll break down again. Well, this is the problem. We're so reliant on a few players at the minute because everyone is in such horrendous form that they're like, quick, we need you. Can you are, are you fit this week? Can you play? Will you play through the pain? Robert. And that's the problem.
2: We're going to see it, Roberts man. play
3: again. No, yeah. he's out, he'll be out for the
2: season. Very well. Or if we're on, a, if we pick up form, we might see him towards the end. But there's no way he's coming up back from injury if we need results at the end of the season. Is he? Yeah.
5: You just, I think he, even yeah. if we picked up, then there's if we picked up form. That that puts us in a survival position. So the last three games of the season are completely pointless. So even he would then think, "Oh, what's the point?" And I, yeah, I personally, maybe. I don't think I could, even I could blame him at that stage. You're like, well, I don't need to come back for these three games. I'm not going to be here next year. Like we may as well give those minutes to somebody who will be.
3: Yeah,
5: um, well, I'd, I'd rather that anyway. I'd rather Armstrong got the minutes over Roberts anyway. Yeah. The the chair one, yeah, like <laughs> the comments from Ainsworth obviously gave gave some positivity that oh, it wasn't, it won't be that bad. Now when we've obviously talked about how Ainsworth talks about injuries. You kind of can't believe what he's going to say or what the clubs say. Mm. So, like, you've got no clue how long he's going to be out. Why for. is it
2: such a mystery, Chris? I don't, I, I, injuries, like,
5: I do find I it an odd one. Like, there's, um, like a Barcelona player can come off injured, honestly, within 20 minutes. Everybody knows how long they what their injury is, how long they're out for, and a proper timeline. And that's always accurate. I'm not comparing QPR to Barcelona, but there does seem it does seem very weird to me that some clubs can do that instantly. And like we sort of have to wait till Friday after an injury on a Saturday for someone to get a scan to then think about how long they're going to be out for. I was listening
2: to Pearson the other day, mate, on Sky, and he was he was being open and honest about it. Like, you know, he's going to be back in a couple of weeks. We need to. I go into a bit of detail about how they're going to like build his fitness up. They're going to going to do this. He's going to do that. We're going to give him twenty minutes. You know, I don't see how another manager how that. I I do see, but I don't I don't understand why with the players that are out for like you know, what the injury is roughly how long are they going to be back for? Like, do you know what I mean? That's because there's so many... What's wrong with Ethan Laird? I know he's injured, but I don't know what. I don't know
3: what's wrong with him. Well, okay, let's go. I'm going back a little bit here. But you know, when obviously we had, we were flying before COVID, we had the COVID break and then came back and we were horrendous for the back end of the season, weren't we? It kind of felt then that we weren't even prepared for coming back. It was almost like the club were like, ah, oh, we're in lockdown. Don't need to worry Anything like It is 10 minutes on your bike, lads. Carry on. Like, is it a little fitness plan? We ain't playing again this season. It's almost like the club has no intuition of what's going on with anything. Like, again, like, I feel like they have no clue with the medical staff. Oh, he's in here, but we can't get a scan for two days for whatever reason. And everything just seems half-assed. Like, I don't think anyone really is in charge of anything or knows what they're doing. Or are they so worried about the finances? They can't scan at the, actually at the ground or the training ground. They have to wait until they get an NHS appointment. In that honestly days. has
5: crossed my mind.
3: Yeah, I mean, it's Maybe ridiculous. we are
5: at the... And it wouldn't, wouldn't surprise me that we're at that kind of level. Maybe we don't have a partnership with some private hospital that wants to be the official private hospital of QPR because that's going to do fuck all for them. But, like, you would kind of like to... I think this stuff can be handled a bit quicker but yeah like i mean yeah i personally just desperate for chair to come back and then hope that he gives us a spark but then that ignites like you said earlier ben at least three or four other players because it can't one person playing wanting the ball all the time and doing everything doesn't work it doesn't it can't doesn't work for any team at any single level like you could play Well, I was going to say you could play under 10s. Under 10s, you probably could have one amazing player who does everything. (laughs) But at a decent enough level, under 16, football and above, that doesn't work. Like You need so many other people to be like, yeah, we're on it now and we want to win.
4: I think whatever division we're in come this summer, there has to be some accountability and there has to be some changes with how we're being run and who's making the decisions. I mean, it's just it's not that it's not worked the finances show that you know what they've just come out so you know let's see what happens but yeah jack i thought i I
2: yeah i said the same the other day was something at the end of the season's got to change right whatever whatever happens we there has to be a change i'm not in the camp of the owners personally only because i know i'm not that they've done a great job in any way shape or form but i feel like Better than the devil, you know, sometimes at the moment, you think see all these terrible owners that are floating around. And I don't even know if there's anyone who would even buy the football club at status in at the moment, I don't know. But, um, but, and they're putting in, what are they putting in? Um, what is it, two million pound a month, is that right? Something like that? Yeah, to, yeah. To keep yeah us two aside? million loss a month. There, there won't yeah. be many people floating around that's, that's going to do that. Um, and I know people will probably think that there is, and there might be. And make, I just can't see it. But on.
5: What have we, realistically, what have we got as a club to offer? Someone who, like, owners of football clubs have worked out now that you can't just come in, splash loads of money in the championship and get promoted because it's too competitive and it doesn't. It's not the pinnacle of success. That doesn't work. So the the owner's interview where they said, like, oh, this was a uh, like an investment from the heart or something like that honestly it was incredibly cheesy and it made me cringe but it might actually be true like they haven't come in this to make money or if they have they've worked out that it's not going to happen and they're like fine we'll just continue with it then which like yeah they get a load of hate but we're gonna have to be grateful for that like they're two million just to keep our club going like that's a lot of money
2: In any other walk of life, though,
5: mate, if your business, if your business is doing as terribly as QPR
2: is, and like these people own businesses, right, successful, really multi-million pound businesses, they they know what they're doing. So what? How does that transpire that we are where we are, and it's it's the manager's fault. That's the only person's fault. There's got to be some other accountability somewhere. I don't know where that lies. Whether it's Lee Hughes or Les Ferdinand, we could probably all debate all day where you know that some of the blame probably sits with all of them. I guess these, these these owners are being led by these two men I i suspect or three maybe chris Ramsey, I don't know, but they' so something's got to change, isn't it somewhere
5: yeah, I think yeah, comparing it to another business does make sense, and maybe maybe the owners have already thought about this, but been like that changing your director of football and your kind of chief exec mid season. Yeah. When we change changing manager every 10 minutes, we can't have that much change. Like you wouldn't do that in a normal business anyway. You wouldn't upheaval everything at top level. You'd try to work on the one thing that you can change constantly and then be like, okay, I now think I've got the right person in charge. So who can operate with that? Um, so yeah, like, it wouldn't surprise me if they were kind of had an honest conversation and like, thanks for your work, but I don't think this is working. Can you tell me why you should stay? Why do you think your plan is actually working here?
2: I, I, I think Lee who's laughing and that—that that really annoyed me a little bit. You know, it, it, in that yeah. interview he did, that—that—that that, that really got me a little bit. I like I quite—I feel like Lee who knows what he's doing, but I don't think he gets QPR fans. I don't think he gets gets what it is that we.
0: There's nothing quite like a McDelivery. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com.
2: You want get? I don't yeah, think, I think, I think he's very business minded, right? It doesn't make sense financially. Right? Well, yeah, but actually this is what we want as fans and it may, do you know what I mean? Like it may drive sales up ticket prices like, if you do X, Y and Z. The
3: problem is like a football club isn't a normal business. Like that's the, pro- that is the biggest problem you can't run it like a normal business. And maybe that's why the owners have struggled because they've come in with what, what a business plan or model that's worked in their actual fields. And it hasn't worked here because you can't, like football clubs aren't sustainable in like, we don't make enough revenue to pay the wages. Do you know what I mean? From games. So there you have to find money from other like, ways and means. Like as much as it was a brilliant gesture, we renamed a stand or the stadium, For a foundation which is a brilliant gesture whereas other clubs are selling their stadium naming rights for xyz million do you know what i mean we could have easily done that and just said look sorry fans this is the situation we're in we've got a 10-year naming deal it won't be loftus road for 10 years it's going to be the spotify loftus road whatever but for 10 years we've got a lot of money coming in that will keep the club afloat and we'll be more competitive on the pitch we'd all go do you know what for 10 years we can live with that modern mod how the modern game's going."
5: I did, right. I did wonder whether that was, naming it at the Crime Prince Foundation Stadium, was just a sort of precursor for doing that. It was almost to like tease us in to be like, look, it was the Loftus Road, now it's this, because we're going to do it because it's the right thing to do. It was a great foundation. And then like that third year was going to be, right, someone is going to come in and just pay us. Well, I don't know honestly no idea what we'd get
2: well it's not a lot right no. i don't think but it is a no, lot if, if if the owners so they do what stoke do right have you seen stoke's accounts that are <laughs> super dodgy but yeah bet 365 sponsor a ridiculous amount of money to sponsor it because they're the owners right same with red the back in the day the majestic that used to pump loads of money through the neighbor rights. so you, you could do it like that but you kind of need what AirAsia or somewhere like, it's, I, don't, I don't know if, that, if that's even possible.
5: I think, but I, think it, I think it's so murky now that you can't, like it's too bait to do that. We could do it at a reasonable level. So say someone was actually like market value is 400 grand a year. But then Amit's mate who runs another business is like, I'll tell you what, I'll give you double that. Like there has been instances where I'm like, I don't understand why we're not doing that. And I know it's like a bit murky with FFP because this is basically what City are going through and all their issues are infl- like inflating the books and uh, selling stuff to their other companies under much bigger market value. But there's, got, there's still, to me, there's got to be some kind of workaround where you're just not entirely obvious. That might be incredibly naive, but uh, like, surely we've got to try. Like That is, a, that is an opportunity. Selling your naming rights for your stadium is a thing to do.
2: So Gareth, Gareth Ainsworth, quickly. What, what, Jack? What's your, um, what's your first impressions? What's, what do you like? Is there anything you're not so well,
4: Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> first of all, I love him. Love him as a player. Back in the day, he's one of my like heroes growing up. Um, he a few years ago, I think I I did a tweet where I was like, I would have had him at QPR before, like. I know that stylistically, you know, that's not the way the club wanted to go. But there's something about him as a manager, the, the job he's done at Wickham, I, I always had admired from afar. Um, in firefighting mode that he's in now, you can get away with, you know, going a lot more direct. We, I think a lot of us have had enough of the passing between the centre-backs and the goalkeeper, you know, to death. So moving it forward a bit quicker is not—it's not the worst thing in the world. You're right when you say about the lack of options, the lack of players that can. You know, he, he is hamstrung. He lo- he loses chair midway through his first game, you know, in first half. I mean, come on, give the guy a break. Results haven't been great since he's come in either. He hasn't been able to stem the tide. There's been a few little th- things I've noticed in the two games. You know, we're playing the ball, you know, a lot longer. You know, as a share of our passes, 22 percent the passes are going long, and the build is only 12 percent. So you know, it's a huge change in direction you know passing accuracies drop way down you know we're not as careful with the ball we're, we're hitting it in areas to people you know chris martin or jamal Lowe to run a channel um i think he will in my gut says he'll keep us up i'm gonna stick my neck on the line i think we'll get a couple wins at some point and i think you know you have to back him you know you have to trust him next next season going forward <laughs> i i mean do you think the owners have got enough foresight that they've appointed him thinking if we get relegated, he's a good guy to take us back up? I don't know. I don't think they've fought that far ahead, but, you know, come what may, I would be keeping Ainsworth next season. Um, This isn't his mess. You know, he has to make the best of it and, you know, he needs a few more players to come back and then we can really judge him. But I think it's too early to judge him, you know, period. But yeah, I'd like to see a bit more from the team in the f- next few games to get a sense of what Ainsworth is starting to get into the players. Is he having an effect? You know, you know, can he get a result? I think a result changes the complexion of everything, you know, such as the bad run, but no, I, th- I, I, like him. I like, I like the appointment, but you know, he's got a huge task right now. And, you know, I really don't want QPR to QPR him, you know, <laughs> churn him in, churn him out and spit him out kind of thing. I, I really want him to be a success here, but yeah, it is going to be a hell of a job.
2: Punk is post and press is post and pre, you know, press conferences. Uh, uh, what are your views on them? Because I don't know if I feel like I'm often analysing them a lot more this season than I ever have. I don't know why. I don't know if it's Bill that started it, and then mm. I'm virtually just completely different, and now I'm at Ainsworth. Like it's just mad when I'm watching these. I feel like I'm overanalyzing all the time. Do But if it's just me?
3: I try not to watch them at the minute because I just can't, I'm so fed up. Like especially <laughs> like the the, the, the um, post match, I'm just like we've lost. I've had enough. I don't even want to hear anything. I don't even want to hear what's being said. But it's it's a difficult way. He's he's literally been thrown into the fire, hasn't he? Like he's come into the club at a horrendous time, and he's he's got to try and be positive, hasn't he? He's got he can't come in and slander the players and like throw them under the bus he's got to keep motivation or morale at some kind of level it's at he can't let it get any worse so I feel like it is what it is he's just trying to smooth over the cracks as best he can
2: I was I was I didn't really I don't know if you noticed but he said I kind of stuck in my mind in his last interview I don't know I always thought that was a bit of a bold statement to make like he he said he he said don't injury i just feel like that's such a bold. like considering how um poor players have been like coming back from injury and even when they were they've been in a lot of them have already played and they are part of this run so then even if they come back there's nothing to say that we're going to get a result um Chris, what were you, what's your views? Any think different views?
5: we obviously talked about earlier about do the team need like an arm around the shoulder and the, the positive approach or do they need like proper kick up the arse? And I guess we probably would have looked at Ainsworth if you hadn't listened to everything he did at Wickham in terms of all his press conferences there and gone, oh, he's the kind of person who will sort of give him a kick up the arse. But obviously he's gone the other way which apparently is actually his mentality to keep absolutely everything positive, which I think is an interesting tactic. But in one of his early interviews, he said, like, I heard the confidence was low, but like being here and seeing it is a different, different thing than you really believe it. So it's like, okay, I think you've only, maybe you can only then go one way and you're like, look, I have to inject some positivity here to, to get people going and to sort of not feel like this is the end of the world kind of thing. Um. again really hope he's a success Um, I think every QPR fan has known he's going to be the manager one day at some point but we've all been kind of waiting for that, is he going to get the perfect moment when we're I don't know, basically mid-table probably actually in the summer you would have looked at it and gone look, Warburton did a good good job in reflection but we were in a comfortable position um we obviously the club wanted to push on but that would have been the, a kind of nice time for Ainsworth to come in compared to now and what he's got but again it's just get through to the summer and unfortunately like we seem to say most summers um until that kind of steady period we have with Warburton it's kind of starting again and starting afresh um yeah. Really it was way. interesting well, that Ainsworth said, Oh, like I've highlighted some players in the lower leagues that um, we can we could definitely bring in and like develop and sell for money. And I get his sentiment. And I think so it's every manager who comes in at any level would would say, I know players that can be better than the level they're playing at. But saying that kind of goes against the model we're trying to develop or supposedly have of A director of football and the club make the decisions in terms of getting players, and then the coach just works with them, whoever it is. So, again, does that sort of throw away the model we're supposed to be on, or is this just a a normal thing that Ainsworth's going to give his input?
2: I thought it was an odd thing to say, if I'm honest. I don't know about anyone else. I don't know. It's not really the right time to be talking. I mean, we just need to, that's, you know, we're in a, we're in a, in the midst of a relegation battle, let's not really focus on who sided for the summer. Like, let's do you know what I mean? I, I, like, oh, I
3: just don't. I, I agree. I don't think we should be even talking about the summer because we don't even know what league we're going to be in yet. Like, if it's if if we hit the magic marker and we knew we were safe and we weren't going to get sucked into the relegation battle, then you can go okay. Like now we know we're going. to are not going down. We'll start planning for the summer. Like. I, I, whether the the board, everyone thinks, oh, like we've still got this little bit of a buffer with the points. Like We're the worst team in the league on form. We're one of the worst teams in the country on form. Like I don't see how we're going to be turning it around anytime soon, especially not this weekend against Watford. Like The games after that are massive. And like I said to um, Ben the other day, like, like the games after that are our season-defining games. Yeah,
5: like if that we lose, if we lose away them, game.
2: Yeah. Well, we've got we lose Blackpool, then, Birmingham, and Wigan all yeah. in a, all the three games. So. If
3: we lose those three games, which I can't see, it, I can't see it happening, but it could. We are down, as far as I'm concerned.
4: How many wins do you think we need total?
2: But, yeah. So I was thinking about it. I, <laughs> I was at work studying the table because how sad I am. Um, <laughs> how easy up your job all is. The points. I did luck it. Yeah, yeah. I think that two wins and a couple of draws would probably be enough. I think if you look at, uh, it would take one of the bottom three to hit real some real form, which is unlikely. I think they'd need to win sort of what six of the last eleven to then catch us five or six of the last, which is which is considering they have none of them have won that at all all season. That's probably so. That's what I think, but I'm still I'm unsure that we're going to get the two with you know those points. I Agree with Duncan though. I do think you
4: know. We're playing those teams around us. We need to get points in those games. If we don't, I think yeah. also I do think we're going to go down. That that that's you know you judge it as, as the games come, but I think you just you cannot continue this run of form into those games. You have to get you know four points out of nine or you know more hopefully, but you know you got to get some some points on the board. I think I agree with you about the uh, points totals. I think high forties, 47, 48, that might just be enough. As you say, it would take all, all of those teams to just go on a, a crazy run. I mean, I know there's the red in points deduction potentially coming down the line.
5: Yeah, but, it, but
2: they, get, are they getting a points deduction as well? We shouldn't be reliant on it, really. No, Should we, we have, have to only put
5: some a point behind us. It's not even like they're... And they'd quickly be above us after that anyway. Uh, <laughs> like the, but those Blackpool and Wigan games, those teams will be targeting us being like, absolutely. boys, we've yeah. got QPR at home. That's great. Like That's three points. Like really? all their fans yeah. doing the same thing we're doing would circle that game. That's We've what that's their winnable.
3: To, we're their winnable game.
5: That's yeah. it. Yeah, you just don't we, lose them,
2: you just cannot lose them. That's the that's exactly
5: history. what I was gonna say. You like, don't give these
2: points free. You don't give these news. points these, you
5: know. Yeah. If we were to go away and those were the two games, we were like, right, we are gonna be as ugly as hell here and play for a nil-nil, and we got it. I'll take your hand off now. And I can't believe the position we were in. <laughs> Earlier this year, uh, where we are now saying mm. we would gladly take a nil nil away at Blackpool and a nil nil away at Wigan, but that's the position we're in. But yeah, it's exactly what you said, Ben. Those are not can't lose games. Can't lose. Nervous about
2: them already, they're not even here. Um, I guess it, with that in mind, would you rest? Would you, would, with would saying, you saying
3: that we're <laughs> someone who we're gonna rest?
2: <laughs> no, <laughs> who would come would you, in? Well, well, what I mean is, if, if some of these players are coming back and they're close to being ready, like a chair, for example, would you save him for Saturday? Don't bring him in so he's fully ready for these three games, or do you throw him in, or anyone who's fit?
5: I think. I think, I think like with have alluded. Sorry, go on, Jack.
4: No, go on. I was just going to say, like, if if chair has got any minutes in him, um, if, ham- if it's hamstring, yeah, you got to be so careful with those. I wouldn't be starting him. I, you know, giving like, feeding him back in. But with with those games that we've mentioned in mind, I think you're right. But but then you get you look, Watford at home, it's, a, it's in front of our fans. It's a chance to get get behind Ainsworth again. And, you know, you never know. I mean...
3: It'll be, be so QPR to beat Watford at home yeah. and then go and lose to Blackpool, <laughs> Birmingham. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, we'd beat Watford and go, oh, that's it, we've got three points. I've oh, got form now, that's it. Turn the tide. And now we'll go to Blackpool and lose.
5: If it's three
2: points, I might
3: take
2: it. Yeah, we're so reliant that it doesn't. You can win, they can win, right? You're still in the same position. Yeah, like it's one of them in it. But just quickly, lads, the finances were out. Um, Not great reading. What, twenty four point seven pre tax loss? Just some headlines. Um, Revenue's up seven million, but that's because of COVID. When you're comparing it, the owners are putting in two million pound a month. Um, Wages are up. Um, three point four million to twenty seven million. Our turnover is one hundred twenty five percent. Not great reading. But what I will say is, is when you look at it against versus all the other clubs, there are a lot of clubs that are worse than us Um, or in and around where we are, you know, you, if you're looking at the, what, twelve, twelve, thirteen, fourteen of the championship clubs are all in the same sort of boat. Um, it's just that some are probably in a bit choppy water than ours, aren't they? thinking about like the and your burn is we don't have at the moment we don't have an asset do we? that's that for me is one of the biggest things we don't have someone who we can just do what like bristol city i've got alex Scotts out there He's gonna in the summer he's gonna he's gonna get them 30 million easily, easily right balances the book stoke sold that that um suitor 15 million last day of the transfer window just balances the books doesn't it we but at the moment with our form who, who is there to, to, to do that?
5: Yeah, like, there was a... Not when not when he got injured, but obviously, when Willock sort of dropped down in form, you could have taken that as, oh, great, like, we're going to get to see him next year in a QPR shirt. However, we can't have that opinion anymore. It's got to be, no, you need to be playing at top abilities just so we can sell you in the summer rather than, I want you for another year. Like, unfortunately, it's a it's not the greatest way to want your team to be but that's the position we're in so now we're looking at the team that we've got and going like right, chair is our only valuable asset and we're going but right, we're gonna to have to sell the man who makes our team tick and we death at the moment we're watching our team without him and being like we have got nothing <laughs> but knowing we if an offer comes in for him we have to take it
4: Yeah, I think the attitude, like the owners have got sucked in a little bit or decision makers, whoever, you know, Ferdinand or et cetera, when we've been sniffing around the playoffs, the managers have maybe said, you know, we've got to keep the squad together. We've got to add to the squad. We've got, you know, we've got a chance here. Let's have a go. And that's not, that goes against the, the model that we're supposed to be portraying, you know, you, you, you should be upsetting the fans a little bit. You know, you should be making these sales. If you get good money for a player, you should be selling them. Whether we've had the offers for these players, you know, doesn't feel like we have had much interest in the players. In terms of assets, I would have thought, I always maintained Dieng, Dickey, Chair and Willett were the four. And, you know, maybe you get a bit of money for field some at some point if he progresses. But now, like, Dieng's had a really poor season, in my opinion. But really I think cool. he's, had a, he's had a down year. Dickie, we've touched on that, you know, I don't know what we'd get for him. I think Chair's the only one that is, yeah. you know, he's not as valuable as he was, potentially. I mean, we don't know, but like from numbers, he's put up fairly decent numbers. You know, a lot of teams scout half of the numbers as well now these days, and he's put up really good chance creation numbers. He's got assists. He's scored goals from outside the box. He can take set pieces. You know, I think he could still command... Bit of a fee from a, a team that gets relegated from the Premier League, looking to bounce straight back up and add champ- proven Championship players like we did when we signed Matt Phillips and Charlie Austin. That sort yeah. of that team in that position, I don't see a Premier League team taking him. You know, I I, I don't. They would have done so by now. I think
2: I could always see him go go abroad or or that. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know why I could, but then there's not the there's not the finances abroad, is there? So, so I don't know what that would look like. Um, but I, I, I always think Lyndon Dykes would, would demand a bit, quite a bit. You saw the Millwall money, but then we're another... What is he into his last year of his contract in the summer? Like we are with Dieng, Willick. They're all in their last year. They're not, they're not going to demand any big fees, are they? I think I don't
4: doing. see anyone coming in for we could do. I think it. people are going to just watch Willick and say, well, let's yeah. see if he can well, get fit, have a, get back to any sort of form and then get him on a free. You yeah. know, I I don't yeah. I don't think we're going to be Absolutely. selling them unless someone is really desperate. Now, I again I go back to my point. I think it's chair push the eng You know, someone needs a backup keeper in the prem or you know a championship team coming down want to improve. I think that's where we're looking at right now, and we have to we have to sell them at this point. We need to generate some income. It, you see, right. Bristol City is a brilliant you know team to point out they got a couple of strikers coming through as well. They're going to be worth a bit of money. Bell and Conway, Alex Scott, you know, Pep Guardiola. Yeah, exactly. him. That's doing wonders for his value. You know, they're basically like a Brentford in terms of, you know, they, they've they sold some centre-backs in the past with big money. You know, they did their stadium up a bit. You know, they're doing it the right way, but they're the only ones that sort of standing out to me that other than Brentford in the past, have been able to, you know, make profits on their play like big profits on their players, so... You know, yeah. we'll to... the we, thing we, with we just City... need to build our way back up. I can't see us getting an Eze figure. Put it that way for anyone. Yeah.
3: The annoying thing with Bristol City is they have such a bigger pool of talent to pick from because <laughs> they're the only big club in that area. Yeah, like they go, they pretty much have anyone who's in the southwest of England goes to Bristol City. Like from Bristol down to basically Cornwall, anyone in that lower area, yeah, That's goes there. We are, we're in London. We're like, what? There's so many teams that are getting that players are going to above us. Like, it's so yeah, hard to compete.
2: Yeah, no, but you actual people, though, there's still a lot of people who <laughs> compare London to, to that area. Like, they still. Yeah, but you like know... you're
3: saying, if, like, what academy are you going to go to? Ours or a Premier League team? Even, like, as I hate saying it, teams like Millwall, like, you'd rather go there. Luton, you'd rather go there. Watford, you'd rather go there because they're all doing better than we are, consistently better than us as well. Like, we're not unattractive. Like if you're like a 14, 15, 16-year-old lad and you've got us or Luton or Millwall, you're looking at us and going, well, uh, Luton, they're always pushing about. Millwall, they're always pushing by the playoffs. QPR, they're a bit hit and miss. We're not attractive to, t- to like players anymore. We don't have that pool.
5: I think, I think Millwall I- have also got the history of... It just seems like they're... In whatever team they, 11 they put out at the weekend, seems like three of them have come through their youth system. They've had that yeah. for a long amount of time. That might just be my perception, and the, the numbers honestly might not back it up. But it always seems that way. So again, like like you're saying, Duncan, if you've got that decision for for a young player, then you you are seeing the pathway, which yeah. is obviously what the club keeps talking about here. And to right. go back right. to the go back to the Willock one quickly. The the owners are, or oh, sorry, not the owner. Let. Uh, Ferdinand and Hughes' argument would be the model is the way to go. And Willock was the next one in line after Eze. We just got unlucky that he got injured. So, like, sometimes football and elephant is a flip of a coin. Like if Willock didn't get injured and have been playing amazing, then we would be going, oh, well, he's going for 20 mil in the summer. So our finances are perfectly fine. Like, and I know I'm trying to look at it one individual instance there and you can't just be relying on one thing. Um but that is kind of in a in a different universe, that's the QPR we would be watching and we would be seeing right now.
4: Well I think like it hindsight obviously but the decision now to part ways with Warburton, you know, to put your put your cap on Ferdinand over Warburton and if that was the the head to head falling out that we're led to believe, you know, the rumours. But to get rid of warburton he had us he had the team there was a perception that if you were a young player you could come to qpr and you'd get developed and you're playing a style of football you know that would suit you and be, be attractive to a premier league team we had premier league teams wanted to play friendlies against us you know leicester and man united because of the way we played it was most akin to a you know a, a premier league test for these teams yeah lights of ese and bright and people like that coming through chair was starting to flourish It it just seemed, it it now may, it's considering the changes that have happened. I know they got unlucky with Bill. I was
2: going to say, I I kind of (laughs) disagree.
4: unlucky. (laughs) But they've made some, you know, there have been some howling decisions throughout their, you know, ownership. And, uh, you know, Warnock, you know, not not reappointing Warnock, taking Hasselbank, big one, when they had the chance to go back up with the parachute payment. You know, I think getting rid of Warburton, to me, is now standing out as like one of those Flagship mistakes.
3: It's difficult. I I don't oh, yeah. fully agree because I feel no, I don't. if Bill hadn't moved, we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. If we still had Bill now, how he had us playing and how the team was under him, I feel we'd be in a completely different situation. I feel he would have turned those run of results around because I don't think they would have necessarily happened if there would been no speculation. I feel like it's since that and the board oh. hasn't kind of got. Anything right since Beale left, or was linked uh, to leave?
2: I actually well, think of
3: character.
2: Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. You could well, you live them die by these decisions, right? Don't right. You? like you know, you know? Les made this decision, and I didn't think it was the wrong one at the time, but it, it's not worked. And he made the decision, so it, it sort of falls in. I actually think that the issue has been the Critchley appointment. I thought it was a lazy appointment. It right. was an appointment based on based on the fact that. They thought he, that, he was cheap. <laughs> it, well, the, they, they played a the similar way to Bill, and it would just be an easy transition, and the players wouldn't. It, do you know what I mean? It would just continue the work that Bill was doing, and it was an lazy appointment, wasn't it? I think, you know, the way it came about as well. It took until what let Paul Hall have the Burnley job, the the Burnley match, and then we'll appoint him. He was he was going to be appointed well before then, but they left it so long. It's, I just I don't know. It just didn't. I just feel like that. Wasn't you know coming back from the international uh, from the World Cup and we just put in that performance against Burnley. Uh, it, it felt like the lead up to that game was really poor when you reflect back. And, I, do, um, I
4: do agree with the Critchley um, analogy. I think it was quite you know, quite lazy. Oh, it's you know it's his mate plays yeah. from a similar sort of background, coaching background, comes exactly. with you know had really you know he, he did a good job at Blackpool, but he hadn't done you know it wasn't a long time as a manager. I think. Yeah, I think you could, you could assume that to be a fairly lazy, you know, appointment, but he let's believe again, he was on the shortlist last summer. So maybe, you know, they've done their, you know, they've done the research on him before. And it was like, okay, well, if he's available, you have to pay compensation this time, let's, let's get him in. So, and they needed to make one quick, didn't they?
2: Yeah, and, and why was Ainsworth was consideration for every job we've had in the last year? Like, you know, Warburton, when he left, you know. <laughs> why isn't Sunday now all good and going to be the saviour? I just, I don't know. I'm not saying he's not, but I'm just saying that decisions, how they're made, uh, have, been, have been a bit dodgy.
3: Gareth Ainsworth is 50% to appease the fans and yeah. to stop the protests and to try and stop the fans turning on the board and Les any more than we already were going to. And I think that's the problem. We could have we could have gone and got a tried and tested championship manager to keep us in the division. And they've gone well, if that backfires, we're going to be even in more hot water. So if we get a fan favorite in, if we go down, we can blame it on the previous managers, not him. And he knows the league will blow us.
2: We do, I think
3: they have tried that. to cover every base this time with Ainsworth. And it's, if he keeps us up, he keeps that legendary status. If we go down, he knows the league and he's a legend. So fans won't be as pissed off about it.
4: It's like the Holloway 2.0 appointment, isn't it? Like, you know, you yeah. go for these dodgy, sticky runs and then you, you wheel out the fan favourite to, you know, get get the fans on side and take the heat off the ball. I, I think, you know.
2: Charlie Austin. he was one. We were on an absolute, we were going down probably until he came, him and Steph and,
4: and then they treated him. Came poorly,
2: in. You know? yeah. Um, all right lads, quickly then we'll wrap up. Um Watford at the weekend. Quick one on any changes you'd make and what you what your prediction is, Dunk.
3: Um I'm not sure we've got anything we any changes we can make, is there? Like if we had six defenders, I'd play six defenders and just go for a nil-nil, but we don't. So um no, I just think we've just got to try and grind out any kind of draw just not do whatever we can, even if we lose one nil, at least it gives us something to kind of go <laughs> on to do you know what I mean. I'll take a one nil loss now because it's not horrendous, it's not another hammering. I feel if we ship a load of more goals, I feel like the defense and everyone's just gonna be in a nightmare. So I'm hoping for a nil nil. Jack, what do you
2: think of it?
3: Well
4: if you look at the history this is quite a favorable fixture for QPR. We've won more league games against Watford than we have against any other team in our football league history. And on the flip side, Watford have lost more league games against QPR than any other team in their football league history. But in the context of our 20-game run, it's absolutely meaningless, isn't it? You know, where does that win come from? But, you know, you know, I don't want to predict, I don't want to be negative on a prediction as you know, as easy as it, you know, we've really invented on this podcast. But I would t- I think one all is my prediction I think well I think you know we'll stop the rot but I don't think we've got enough personnel to get the win unless there is two or three coming back that we don't know about that are fitter can be on the bench your Amos is your chairs then we look a little bit in better shape maybe but you know I I'll take a point one all but I don't know I haven't got a clue what sort of personnel changes we we should make for that because I don't know who is available, and that's partly down to what Ainsworth gives out in his his press in, interviews, doesn't he? So.
2: Chris, what do you think about?
5: Yeah, I mean, if Ishmael Saar is playing left wing versus Aaron Drew, then oh. that could be uh, very unfortunate for a youth team product at, mm. at QPR. But uh, no, I think I'm 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 expecting a loss to be honest. That's what I'll predict. I'll just hope we don't concede three again. Like maybe we have to, like Dunk was alluding to, maybe we have to take that as a right. Just don't concede three. Try to at least show some defensive solidity. Get to nil, definitely get to half time at nil-nil. To me, that that should be the aim of like of what you're going out to do. Right. Stay sort of keep us in this game for as long as we possibly can. Um and yeah, go from there, but uh, yeah, I'd, I'm not expecting a lot.
2: I'd like to see, like you said, I'd like to see Richards and Armstrong come in. I know it's, it's saying we've got the same squad. I feel like you've got nothing to lose by putting them in. They were they came on and, and did well the weekend. I don't know if, I, I just feel like Armstrong lifts everyone a little bit. The crowd, maybe even the players, just by his work ethic and the fact that he just try and just, will just naturally lift the players around him. Um, Maybe, I'd like to see three at the back. We mentioned it. Field, Dicky, and Dunn. Put Adoma right and by left. If we Kenneth if Powell's not back, it takes Drew out a little bit. And then you move Richards in the middle with Johansson. I don't know, possibly. I think that's a bit too open. I don't know, Tim. I, don't, I feel like Tim's really struggling as well, isn't he? We could, Probably one for another pod, but... Yeah, I can't see it. 2-0, I reckon. 2-1. Yeah. Oh. Any positivity, lads?
5: Anything to end on? Uh Armstrong is a bit of a uh, Armstrong is the is the positive, isn't he? Like yeah. when he's in the squad, you at least are like, oh right, we've got something yeah. coming off the bench today. That's what we're now clinging on to. I, point I,
4: point I, on him. He's, he's won two penalties this season. Um with his pace. He's the first player to do that in a season since Bright Say Samuel. Pace obviously kills, you know, it, it put him in a team. Let him, let him run right and you take the naivety you take the the lack of composure in places but just his sheer physicality you know really puts defenders up you know they get scared so play him
2: bringing him off the bench doesn't always work because we're two, three, four nil 4 down when he comes on yeah. he's, what is he? he's not going to come on and do the like, you know you're reliant on us still being in the start him get 65 minutes out of him I think I agree yeah, yeah. Oh, alright lads cool thanks for joining. Everyone, thanks for listening and um, let's hope for a bit more of a positive podcast next week. (laughs) Thanks for listening. You are yours.